Welcome to On the Horizon, navigating the European and African theaters. In this episode, we will discuss what the U.S. Navy is doing in and around Africa, exercises with our African partners, and the great power competition that is unfolding on the continent. Admiral Fogo, great to see you again, and thank you for joining us. Hey, Lieutenant Dixon, uh, it's good to see you again, and uh, thanks for having me back on On the Horizon. And Admiral, great to have you. I know you just got back from Africa. How was your trip? I had a uh, wonderful trip to Africa, which started uh, off the coast of Africa in uh, Cabo Verde, a place I'd never been before. And then I proceeded to Lagos, Nigeria, uh, where I visited for this year's Obengami Express 2019 and uh, the final closing ceremonies. I had an opportunity to engage with leaders from all over West Africa and had the pleasure of speaking at the closing ceremonies for uh, Obengami Express 19, which was hosted by my good friend from the Nigerian Navy, Nigeria's Chief of Naval Operations, Vice Admiral Ibak Eti Ekwe Ibas. Overall, I think the trip was uh, a great success. The discussions were productive on uh, military and political affairs in the region and how to improve security and stability in the Gulf of Guinea and throughout the rest of West Africa's maritime domain. And Admiral, it's great to hear about your trip to Africa. Now this morning, sir, I want to take a few steps back, uh, a few months back to our January podcast with your goals for the first of the Express series of exercises in 2019, Cutlass Express. Where was the exercise held and who was all involved in this exercise? Yeah, so we uh, kicked off uh, the year in January with Cutlass Express 2019, and uh, that was a multinational exercise carried out by maritime forces from East Africa, West Indian Ocean nations, Europe, and the United States. It brought together uh, a number of maritime forces and several international organizations to improve maritime law enforcement capacity and uh, promote national and regional security in East Africa. I think it was a huge success in terms of a massive uh, uh, maritime domain area that stretched along the East African coast from Djibouti uh, to the north to Mozambique in the south and going as far east as the uh, island nation of the Seychelles. Participating nations in Cutlass Express 2019 included Canada, the Comoros, Djibouti, France, India. I think this is the first time that the Indians uh, sent an Indian Navy frigate and they're a, uh, a very important Navy and I appreciate the Indian CNO for indulging me on that. We had Kenya, Madagascar, Mauritius, Mozambique, Portugal, Seychelles, Somalia, Tanzania, the Netherlands, and the United States. That is an impressive collection of partners working together towards the same goal. Can you talk about what was accomplished during the exercise? During the exercise, uh, countries tested their ability to properly identify and respond to piracy, illegal trafficking, and illegal fishing. I think the countries participating were able to uh, go through maritime operations centers or MOCs and share information. Participating nations also conducted search and rescue uh, scenarios, so that was important to train their forces. Uh, my conclusion of Cutlass Express uh, is that it brought several firsts to the table. Like I said, India's participation in the exercise and the implementation of the Indian Ocean Regional Information Sharing System. Uh, IORIS, it's a web-based platform through the European Union Critical Maritime Routes in the Indian Ocean, Crimario project. 
and we had a chance to uh, test that and introduce that to the rest of the players. The IORIS platform enables member countries to set up a collaborative working environment so that uh, we can improve the awareness of what's happening in the maritime domain and coordinate operations when incidents happen at sea. Uh, the platform's important because it addresses maritime security challenges such as piracy, drugs, arms trafficking, illegal fishing, and uh, environmental damage. All the kinds of things that we're seeing on the east coast or west coast of Afri Africa happen every day. Like I said in my January podcast there, Lieutenant Dixon, exercises like Cutlass Express do a couple things. They increase Africa's maritime security and law enforcement ability. Uh, they increase interoperability between African nations and their partners and allies like the United States and like the Europeans. They also demonstrate the U.S.'s commitment to bring countries and organizations together to help African nations find solutions to African problems. And it shows that we, the United States, are uh, really a partner of choice in Africa because we work to help strengthen the defensive capabilities of African states in the maritime domain and address the security threats that concern them more effectively. And you know what? We don't ask for anything in return but their friendship. Well, sir, it's good to hear that Cutlass Express was a great success and helped strengthen our relationship with our African partners. To our audience, I recommend you check out our January podcast if you haven't done so already. Lots of great info about Cutlass Express and other initiatives that the U.S. Naval Forces Africa is involved in. And Admiral, moving to our second African exercise, Obengami Express, which you just came back from, what can you tell us about it, and was there anything different about this year's exercise? Uh, yeah, the second exercise of this year, and they're happening fast and furious, and we're already on our third, but the second exercise was Obengami Express. Now, that one takes place in West Africa in the Gulf of Guinea, which is an important area with a lot of maritime traffic, particularly merchant traffic uh, in terms of minerals and uh, petroleum uh, distribution networks. This year, the Nigerian Navy hosted the exercise, uh, second time in five years for them. Obengami Express is on its ninth iteration, and uh, based on the results this year, I think the, the tenth is going to be fantastic because the ninth was the biggest and the best we've ever had. Let me give you some, uh, some statistics. There were 33 nations from Africa, Europe, and North America that participated. We had uh, 2,500 personnel uh, on the land, in the littoral, or at sea. And 95 ships of varying sizes. So some big like the Nigerian Coast Guard Cutter Thunder, some small like ribs in various Coast Guards of the Gulf of Guinea maritime nations. 12 aircraft conducting uh, intelligence, surveillance, and reconnaissance sharing a common operating picture. And we executed 85 serials. These are small exercises within the broader exercise that build in a crawl, walk, run kind of scenario where we start slow and move up to the graduate level exercises. And I'll tell you about some of those graduate level exercises in a minute. We connected the five zones of the Yaoundé Code of Conduct utilizing seven national military uh, coordination centers, but more importantly, 19. 19 maritime operation centers. And I don't think I've ever seen that many involved in Obengami Express. I think we've had great success since we started Obengami in 2010 and the Africa Partnership Station back in 2010. And if you uh, compare the difference between then and now in 2019, Lieutenant Dixon, it's like uh, night and day. 
Now, sir, speaking of 2010, can you take us back there in more detail so that our audience understands the great strides our African partners have made over the years? Back in 2010, uh, there were not a lot of ships. There were not a lot of facilities. There were not uh, a lot of maritime operations centers. They were in the fledgling stages. We didn't have the Yellow Day Code of Conduct either. We suffered then in 2010 something that uh, we all agreed upon. It was sea blindness, where uh, globally 90% of our commerce passes. Today, in 2019, West African nations have a series of facilities and radars that enable them to coordinate and collaborate across maritime borders and work to combat this sea blindness. Like I said, we have the Yaounde Code of Conduct, which means that when a friendly vessel gets underway uh, to challenge illegal activity in the maritime domain, that friendly vessel has a network, a network of friends. It's able to share information with other countries having contiguous maritime borders. Take, for example, Nigeria, Togo, Benin, and Ghana. They can all compare data by utilizing their maritime operation centers to help each other out in combating illicit activity in their territorial waters or their economic zones. So there's still a little bit of fog out there, but it's no longer blindness. We've made a lot of progress. And as the countries of the Gulf of Guinea get more practice working together, um, they'll get better collaboration and uh, the less severe uh, this fog bank will come. We'll get a chance to practice again next year. And as impressive as the stats I just listed above are, the exercise had some other uh, significant firsts. And so on that note, what were some of those significant firsts? For example, this is the first year that a U.S. Coast Guard cutter, the U.S. Coast Guard cutter Thetis, participated in the exercise. And it marked the first time since 2012 that we've had a Coast Guard cutter in the Gulf of Guinea. Uh, my hat's off to uh, Admiral Schultz, the Commandant of the Coast Guard, for uh, persevering in this and getting us the Thetis, and it was really a force multiplier uh, for us in Obenkami Express 19. Uh, this is the first time that the Cote d'Ivoirian Navy brought drug-detecting dogs to the exercise, and it's interesting because they exercised them during a search of uh, simulated suspected narcotics on a vessel that was uh, trafficking and smuggling narcotics. The dogs ultimately found the contraband that was hidden on board. And so in my humble opinion, as I said at the closing ceremony, they were the penultimate sea dogs of Obengami Express 2019. Uh, finally, members of the Nigerian Navy's Special Boat Service, uh, these are the commandos, the SEALs of the Nigerian Navy, the guys that took back the motor vessel Maximus that I've talked about in previous podcasts. They conducted a vertical assault on a warship simulating a hostile vessel. So the team did what, what is most difficult in boarding procedures, a hostile vessel boarding search and seizure from the air. Uh, they got on board that non-compliant vessel and, and they secured it. Uh, the Nigerian Navy also opened up its Maritime Domain Awareness Training Center. This will be a training hub for West African Navy, so it's the first year of that training center. The center will increase the uh, frequency at which training can occur, cut down on cost to African maritime nations, so very generous on the part of the Nigerians. And uh, they won't necessarily have to send their personnel to uh, Europe or North America for training. So that is an African solution to an African problem. And sir, if I could, what were the highlights of Obengami Express? I think it's also important to highlight that uh, Obengami Express is successful uh, because of much of the hard work that takes place during other engagements throughout the year. I'll give you three. 
We uh, recently had the Combined Maritime Force Component Commanders course in uh, Naples, which was, uh, we partnered with AFRICOM, uh, Naval Forces in Africa, under my command, ran the program for a week, and we brought in the Naval War College to do the scenarios and uh, some of the uh, seminars. I participated in the Gulf of Guinea Conference in Paris. I was invited by Admiral Prezuk. All the African nations came, and it gave us an opportunity to talk about maritime security in the Gulf and also preps for uh, Obengami Express and the participant of uh, many of the European nations who were there. Finally, uh, the African naval leaders present at the International Sea Power Symposium in September of 2018, which was sponsored by CNO John Richardson, was a huge success in, in bringing those countries together. You know, we talked about uh, details of planning for this year, uh, Cutlass, Phoenix, and uh, Obengami Express, and also our deployment later this summer of the Expeditionary Patrol Frigate down to the Gulf of Guinea. Overall, I think that uh, Obengami Express in 2019 hit the ball out of the park, and I look forward to the uh, 10th anniversary next year. And so it sounds like the ninth iteration of Obengami was a great success. And before we move on to our next topic, it is my understanding you met someone on the U.S. Coast Guard Cutter Thetis during Obengami. Can you share with us this story? When I went on board uh, U.S. Coast Guard Cutter Thetis, I was met by a very enthusiastic group of uh, Coast Guard uh, sailors and chief petty officers and officers in uh, that small contingent that runs that ship. And one of the people I met as I came across the brow was an ensign named Panache Isaiah Mutombo. I looked at uh, Ensign Mutombo and I said, hey, where are you from, Ensign Mutombo? And he said, New York City, sir. And I go, uh, Mutombo, uh, that, is that an African name and where are you originally from? He goes, well, sir, I'm from Harare, Zimbabwe. I was like, no kidding. Hey, tell me your story. And he goes, well, um, short and sweet. My dad decided that uh, he wanted to uh, move from Zimbabwe to the United States and uh, see if he could make it there. So uh, he got up and uh, went to New York City when I was six years old. And he made enough money to come back and pick up the family and relocate the family to uh, New York City. So uh, I was really taken by that. Ensign Matambo and I have something in common. Like him, I'm not a native-born American. I'm a naturalized citizen, and we are both living the American dream. And I went to the United States Naval Academy. He went to the United States Coast Guard Academy last year, graduated in uh, May of 2018, and now he's driving the Coast Guard Cutter Thetis all around the Gulf of Guinea. And I asked him, I said, hey, when was the last time you were back to Africa? He goes, sir? Uh, we left 10 years ago, and this is my first time back. I thought that was really cool. I took him uh, with me, and we actually did a uh, media interview with uh, Associated Press and uh, their network uh, in Nigeria, and he was able to tell his story. His story represents a common bond that we share with the people of Africa, and I'm really proud to have met him, and I think he has a very bright future in the United States Coast Guard. And sir, backing up a little bit, on your way to Obengami, you stopped to meet with civilian and military leaders in Capo Verde. What was discussed during your meetings and what can we expect moving forward in our relationship with Capo Verde? Yeah, that was a really interesting trip. And uh, General Waldhauser had encouraged me to go to Capo Verde because uh, that is an island nation that is really punching above its weight class in terms of uh, maritime domain awareness and maritime security. Bottom line is Cabo Verde is an archipelago of islands 
with a landmass, if you put them all together, the size of the state of Rhode Island. But if you want to cross from Praia, the capital, to the island of uh, Sao Vincennes, which is where the Coast Guard cutter Thetis had visited the week before, it's like driving across the state of Texas on the ocean. And it's a very unforgiving environment. You're in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, subject to all the effects of uh, weather and seas. That was not lost on me in that they have a very small Coast Guard there. And I spent time with uh, Captain uh, Pedro Santana, who joined me in the trip to Lagos for the execution and closing ceremonies of uh, Ovangami Express. And Cabo Verde would like our help. Uh, they recently took down a vessel that uh, visited their port that had some suspected uh, illegal activity reported. And when they uh, inspected the vessel, they found close to nine and a half tons of cocaine in the bilge. And they were able to seize that and uh, seize the vessel. And also uh, there's a determination being made in their judicial system right now as to the disposition of the crew. But that was, uh, that was a huge drug bust. And it just shows that they're very serious and that their system works, both their security systems for the uh, defense of their waters and also their judicial system as they go through a, uh, a trial process in court. I was really glad I was able to align my visit to Cabo Verde and then follow on with the trip to Lagos. This year, I learned while I was there that Cabo Verde celebrates 200 years of bilateral relations with the United States. It's a significant milestone and the Cabo Verdeans are very proud of that and they told me that while I was there and they're having a big celebration this year. And so I'm just curious, on that point, how many Cabo Verdeans live in the United States? Believe it or not, there's uh, half a million Cabo Verdean expats in the United States, primarily in Rhode Island and Massachusetts. I asked the question, why Rhode Island and Massachusetts? And they said, well, this was the whaling community of the 1800s. So as the whaling ships came in and uh, they signed on members of different countries and communities to come out and work at sea, many Cabo Verdeans who lived on an island and uh, you know, lived through uh, the fishing economy uh, got on board and they ended up in the United States and uh, they settled in the United States. So that half a million people who are the diaspora of Cabo Verdeans in the U.S. are all uh, descendants of uh, the whaling trade. You know what's interesting about that is half a million Cabo Verdeans uh, and their lineage in the United States and on those islands in Cabo Verde there's a half a million people. So the population equals the population that exists in the United States and I think that's very important uh, to our connective tissue in our relationship. That is an amazing connection between the U.S. and Capo Verde. For our next topic, I wanted to ask about a rescue at sea performed by the U.S. Coast Guard cutter Thetis. What can you tell us about this rescue at sea? Yeah, Lieutenant Dixon, this is the kind of stuff I just love. And, uh, you know, it sounds like something uh, that came, you know, right out of a, a Hollywood script, but a real-life situation with a happy ending and uh, I think it's a pretty cool story, so I'll tell you. Um, on March 14th, the day before the start of Obengami Express, the crew of the U.S. Coast Guard cutter Thetis was uh, sailing uh, in the Gulf of Guinea off the coast of uh, Sierra Leone. They're about 32 nautical miles at sea, so outside territorial waters, uh, inside the economic zone. And while they're sailing along, there was a young 21-year-old seaman who was uh, manning the, uh, the bridge wing as lookout. She noticed something at about 
four nautical miles or 8,000 yards. Uh, she saw this uh, very small uh, 6.7 meter fishing vessel adrift with two people who appeared to be in distress. Uh, she notified the bridge and uh, they turned to and they came alongside. Turns out these uh, two fishermen had been lost at sea for three days. They had run out of food, water, and fuel, and they were starting to drink seawater because they were desperate. And they had a few rotted fish on board, but they weren't fit for human consumption. Uh, you know, when you drink seawater, you become delirious, disoriented, and then you die. So uh, these guys were, uh, were close to the end. Uh, Thetis gave these two men gas and Gatorade. They powered down that Gatorade, they powered up their engine, which still worked, and Thetis accompanied them and returned them to shore. When the uh, Sierra Leonean Coast Guard came out and uh, took them back into port, to let everybody know that uh, two or three days earlier, they'd been declared dead, lost at sea. So uh, this is an unbelievable story. And sir, when you went down to Nigeria and went aboard the Thetis, what did you tell the crew and what was your conversation with them? You know, I like people and I like stories like that. So I asked the crew, I said, hey, did you get to know these guys? What were their names? A chief petty officer told me, I think she was a chief warrant officer actually told me. She goes, oh, we asked their names and you won't believe it, sir. Uh, one guy said, I'm Charlie, and the other guy said, I'm Pizza. And I go, what? you got to be kidding me. She goes, no, Charlie and Pizza. He's been known as Pizza all of his life, which, uh, you know, living here in Naples, which is the, you know, the fountainhead of uh, the invention of pizza, I thought was kind of funny. So bottom line is, Charlie and Pizza owe their lives to a vigilant watchstander on the U.S. Coast Guard cutter Thetis. And... Uh, the Thetis doing what we do as Americans all over the world, guaranteeing safety of lives at sea. So I think it was a great story, and I'm really happy to share it with you. Wow, sir, what an incredible story about this rescue at sea of two folks from Sierra Leone. Now, Admiral, we've already talked about two of the three African series exercises. I would like to get your thoughts on Phoenix Express. Yeah, our uh, third and final Express Series exercise, Lieutenant Dixon, um, off the African coast is Phoenix Express in North Africa. So it's primarily focused on maritime domain awareness and security in the Maghreb area of North Africa. This is the 15th iteration this year. It involves 14 countries from North Africa, Southern Europe, and the United States. Phoenix Express strengthens the relationships between our participating navies and builds interoperability and enhances our ability to conduct combined tactical and operational proficiency. Uh, since we started, the aim of Phoenix Express has been to promote national and regional security, inform planning and operations, and improve military capabilities, again, sharing information through maritime operations centers along the north coast of Africa. Um, as far as Phoenix Express goes, it's the longest running event of the Express series of exercises. Obengami celebrated its ninth year, next year is, is 10, and uh, this is the 15th iteration of Phoenix Express, and I'm very proud uh, to say that. Uh, it builds camaraderie between all of our navies, and uh, throughout my career I've seen firsthand the enduring relationships that have formed between mariners uh, of our friends in Africa, East Coast, West Coast, North Coast, and allied and partner navies from North America and uh, from Europe. And I think through this enhanced cooperation and maritime domain awareness and information sharing, we can all get after the problems that uh, affect all of us. Stability in the maritime domain, illicit trafficking, uh, criminal activity, and piracy. And I'm very happy that we're able to execute Phoenix Express again this year, and I look forward to next year.
Well, sir, I look forward to hearing about how Phoenix Express went. It sounds like we are making great strides towards helping our African partners in reaching and improving their awareness of the maritime domain. What do you see as the biggest threat to African countries becoming self-reliant and prosperous? Well, Lieutenant Dixon, over the next decade, Africa will be shaped by the increasing presence of external actors. Nothing new here, but what is different is the, uh, the potential outcome or the end game. I've often said or cited statistics uh, that look out to the future. And uh, if you look at uh, the population of Africa right now in 2019, it's about 1.3 billion people. Uh, by 2050, there will be 2.5 billion people on the continent of Africa. Uh, there'll be more people in Africa than there are in China. 60% uh, of that 2.5 billion people will be under the age of 24. Think about that. So there's a huge population uh, there that need to be educated. Uh, they need to be given the opportunity to go to school and to find a job and to have a family and be prosperous. They want the same things that you and I want in life. And so I see it as an opportunity for us to assist our African friends and partners in doing so. The biggest issue is, uh, in my opinion, uh, economic takeover of vital resources and ports. This is primarily done by countries seeking to enrich themselves and occurs at the cost of the local population of those maritime nations in Africa. And specifically, I'm talking about China and Russia. Where we are not present, China and Russia will fill in the gaps, and their objectives are not our objectives. Naval Forces Africa and the U.S. government look to help our African partners by working through achieving shared goals and by developing cooperative relationships. We don't want anything in return except their friendship. We train with our partners to solve African challenges through solutions that they have developed themselves. China has tripled its loans to Africa since 2012, making Beijing a major debt holder for multiple African nations. Additionally, I'd like to add that China is only second to Russia in arms sales to Africa. This is very concerning, especially since we, the United States, are bringing in resources and financial assistance to help Africa solve African problems and build themselves up peacefully. We hope that our actions will create a peaceful, secure, and stable continent, which is good for the world. Now, Admiral, we talked about the past and future in regards to Africa. But what about today? What does Africa need today for their own security to solve African challenges with African solutions? Later this year, Naval Forces Africa will deploy a ship to the Gulf of Guinea on what I call a maintenance deployment. The ship will be one of our expeditionary patrol frigates, and its crew will help several Gulf of Guinea nations maintain and repair their aging ships. Today, basic wear and tear prevents many African nations from getting their ships underway to conduct operations that will protect their coasts and territorial waters. Maintenance was one of the big issues that our African counterparts noted during our recent engagements in Paris for the Gulf of Guinea Conference and in December 2018 at the CIFMIC course that I sponsored here in Naples. So sending a ship to the Gulf of Guinea comes from those discussions in those two conferences. The Expeditionary Patrol Frigate's deployment will demonstrate NAVAV's commitment to our African maritime partners. And this is an effort that you won't hear Russia or China getting involved in. 
Now, as the Coast Guard cutter Thetis operates in the Gulf of Guinea over the next two months, it's highly likely they will encounter illegal fishermen from varying nations in their country's territorial waters. We look forward to working with our African partners for the betterment of the African nations and their people. As tensions increase across the continent and the competition continues for resources, the future of Africa will have a direct effect on both African national security and our national security abroad and at home. I tell all my friends that come from the continental United States or Washington that we ignore Africa at our own peril. So I am personally committed to regional stability and maritime security in this vital region of the world by working with our African partners in France. Again, Lieutenant Dixon, the only thing we ask from our African partners is their friendship. We train with them to solve African challenges through solutions developed primarily by African nations. And the bottom line is, a stronger Africa equals a better world for everyone. Admiral Fogo, as always, thank you for your time. Thank you, Lieutenant Dixon. I look forward to the next time. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of On the Horizon, navigating the European and African theaters. Please share the podcast with your friends and family, and don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Join us next time to hear more about what the U.S. Navy is doing throughout Europe and Africa. Until next time, thank you.